thank you for David, Lord, as he is preparing to, as he prepares now to share your word. So, Lord, give him your words and let him just be, give your clarity in, in our lives through this word, Lord. And we pray, I pray that the, we are all attentive to what you have to say, Lord, through David, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, morning, everybody. Such an honor to be able to share the word with you all today. Uh, we're in this book of Luke. Yes, we've been in for four or five years. Do you know what Luke means? Bringer of light. Bringer of light. Brightness. So yes, turn in your Bibles to Luke 23, 50 to 56. I love living in Bury St. Edmunds. I've lived here for 19 years. And the thing I like least about Bury St. Edmunds, though, is when I walk through the Abbey Gardens, the sign, keep off the grass. Does anyone else like that sign, dislike that sign? Like, it just makes me want to walk on the grass. <laughs> but there's a reason for the sign. We want to protect the gardens so that people can be blessed and enjoy the gardens for a long period of time. I used to live beside this, this massive box of some kind, and it was surrounded by a fence that said, keep out danger of death. And as a little boy, I just wanted to go in and have a poke around and see what was behind the fence. I never went in. I survived. There was a reason why I couldn't go behind that fence, because it's probably an electrical situation. I probably could have been killed. Last week, JP preached on one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's a sad passage, but something wonderful happens in it. The temple curtain is torn in two from top to bottom. Everything about the temple worship said, keep out, danger of death. If you were not a Jew, you couldn't go into the courtyard. If you weren't a priest, you couldn't go into the temple and if you weren't the high priest, you couldn't go into the presence of God. And only then, once a year after offering a sacrifice, everything said keep out. But now, the curtain has been torn into from top to bottom so that you and I can enter the presence of God. How good is that? How wonderful is that? Today, we are going to be looking again at the fact that Jesus did indeed die. Historically, he died physically. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. He did it for me. He did it for you. He did it for you. He did it for you. And we're going to see today that Jesus saves all kinds of people. I look around this room. We're all different. Different backgrounds, different giftings, different countries. He saves all kinds of people because the curtain has been torn. We're going to learn how to be a disciple from a man called Joseph. And we're going to learn about a devoted life from some ladies. John 19 tells us something. He says that the body of the Son of God, the precious body of Jesus, is dead. And a soldier puts his spear through the side. On a, on, a, on a sermon of, of brightness, I'm sorry, on a topic of brightness, this may seem gloomy, but there is indeed light. Out of his side gushes water and blood. Now, we know now from, from modern science that when John observed this, 
and wrote about what was happening. This can only happen if you are dead and if you've died a very brutal, awful death. He really has died. Today we're going to look at what happens to that body. So I'm going to read to you from, from the scriptures. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council and a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. He was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. So far in our very long study of this book, we have seen Jesus saving all kinds of people. We've seen him saving men. We've seen him saving women. We've seen him saving fishermen, people with normal jobs. We've seen him save slightly surprising people, tax collectors, people that nobody liked. He saves them. We've seen him touch and cleanse and save people with leprosy. People, the rest of the people wouldn't touch these people, but Jesus does. We've seen him save and bring into his kingdom prostitutes, people who were treated as objects and who people thought were nothing. Jesus thinks they're something. Jesus loves them. He calls all sorts of people to himself. Two weeks ago, we saw Jesus on a cross, dying for the sins of the world. We've got a guy on one side called Gestus, we believe his name to be, and on the other side, Dismas. They are both such wicked people that Dismas says, I'm here because my life has been so bad that the only thing that could be done to me is I deserve this crucifixion. Wicked, evil man. We see him joining in with the crowds, mocking Jesus. Mocking him, blaspheming him. And when we see this moment where something starts to change in his heart, he is seeing the Son of God, the only perfect human ever to live, on a cross, suffering the worst possible death, and yet saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. This guy is so utterly different. Dismas' heart is changed. He repents. He asks the Lord to remember him. And we hear those wonderful words. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. How did this man get to heaven? Remember the phrase? The man on the middle cross said I could come. The man on the middle cross says I can come and you can come. That's how we get in to the kingdom of heaven. Now today, we're going to have a look at a guy called Joseph. And I'm going to be honest with you. The word prejudice is a bad word. Apart from pride and prejudice, Peggy. <laughs> prejudice is a bad word. Pre-judging. I pre-judge. 
And I realized this as I was preparing this sermon. What I prejudge is I prejudge people's responses to the gospel. When I'm sharing the gospel, I am very confident that a man aged 18 to 39-ish is going to be open. That might surprise you, but I find them the easiest guys to speak to about Jesus Christ. I find them open. I find them engaged. I find they want to talk. But if I was a 55-year-old woman, it terrifies me. (laughs) I assume they're going to be hard to the gospel. That is prejudice. That is prejudice. Today, we meet this guy called Joseph from Arimathea. He's a rich man. And this is a slap on my face to prejudice. All four Gospels mention him. Matthew mentions him. Mark mentions him. Luke mentions him. And John mentions him. Let's have a look at him. This guy is a member of the council. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leadership. Now, we, we, that's a mixture of some lay leaders and, and priests and and whatnot. Over the summer, we saw how these guys were battling with Jesus at every, at every, every step of his journey into Jerusalem. These are the guys that trial Jesus and accuse him of blasphemy and wanted to kill him, so they take him to Pilate and lie and say Jesus is guilty of insurrection against Rome. And ask for him to be trialed and ultimately killed. These are the bad guys. I grew up in the 80s and 90s. All the television programs for us as kids were good guys and bad guys. These were the bad guys. And yet the next verse tells me that I should share the gospel with 55-year-old women. Because it says here that he is a good and a righteous man. How did this guy become a good and a righteous man. Well, we look at John's gospel and we find out something wonderful has happened to him. He saves all types of people. A member of the Sanhedrin. He's become a disciple of Jesus Christ because only disciples of Jesus Christ are good and righteous before God because they have experienced something that we call the great exchange. If I were to go to France and I were to bring my my pounds in to get them turned into euros and I got a deal where I put one pound in and got two euros back, I would be doing cartwheels. That would be a fantastic, (laughs) fantastic exchange rate. The gospel is so phenomenal that every wicked and evil fantasy in my life, every evil thing that I have done gets given to Jesus on the cross. And he takes that from me and he gives me goodness and he gives me righteousness. And that is the great exchange. That is phenomenal. This member of the Sanhedrin, the least likely of people perhaps, has experienced this, and he's now a good and righteous man. How did this happen? The next verse tells us something interesting. He was looking for something. He was looking, the Bible says, for the kingdom of God. 
maybe brightness. He was looking for something. Now, I, when I, a very common conversation in the morning, it's probably common in lots of your houses, is this. Just going out, kiss goodbye to everybody, get to the door. Anna, what have you done with my keys? <laughs> of course, I know rightly, almost certainly nothing. So I look for my keys. And the place I find my keys is always the last place that I look. Joseph of Arimathea was not looking for his keys. He was looking for the kingdom of God. Now, we preached a whole sermon on this earlier in the series as to what the kingdom of God is. But just thinking about how to do this relatively easily and quickly within this sermon, I thought about Paul's letters. I love the Apostle Paul. He wrote 13 of your 27 New Testament books. And every single one of them starts almost the same way. Grace to you. Think salvation. Think that great exchange I showed you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the two letters to Timothy add mercy. Think grace Think peace, think mercy. Joseph of Arimathea is looking for grace, peace, mercy, or in context of our service today, brightness, light. And he's looked for it. Where has he looked for it? Well, he's in the Sanhedrin. He's got an extremely high level of exposure to the religious system um, that was going on at the time in the temple worship. But you know what he didn't find in the temple worship? Do you know what he didn't find? In advancing, so he's in the Sanhedrin. He didn't find the kingdom of God. He didn't find grace. He didn't find peace. He didn't find the mercy that his soul so needed. He lived in the Roman colony. Now, you may have heard of something called Pax Romana, which means Roman peace. He didn't find peace for his soul in Roman system. And you will not find it in the political systems of this day, whether the conservatives are in charge or the, or the liberal democrats or the Green Party, you will not find the kingdom of God there. Joseph of Arimathea did not find it there. People are still looking for salvation. They're still looking for peace for troubled, 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 troubled souls. The more I meet people, the more I talk to people, the more I am just heartbroken as to what people are going through. They are looking for rest and peace for their souls. Every movie you tend to watch has got a hero in it. Last night I watched Ratatouille. The hero was a little rat. <laughs> Everyone is looking for a hero. We've got Superman, we've got Batman, we've got Wonder Woman. We're looking for heroes. We're looking for salvation. We're looking for grace. We're looking for peace. We look for it in places that we think we're going to find it. Success is not a bad thing. Family, not a bad thing. Religion. People are looking for this. Where do you find it? Where do we find it? Others look for it in thrills, drugs, sex. Solomon looked for it in all these things. He didn't, never said no to himself. And he didn't find grace, mercy, and peace. I assumed that when I got a girlfriend when I was young, that I would find 
that peace for my soul. I looked for it everywhere. And when I got the girlfriend, it wasn't there. And I agreed with Bono. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> you don't need to clap that. <laughs> I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Joseph of Arimathea has become a disciple of Jesus. This is wonderful news. Wonderful news. And when he found grace and he found mercy and he found peace for his soul, everything has to change. Everything has to change. One of the things I'm finding now more when I'm sharing the gospel with people is you have to show them as you share the wonderful grace of God, the cost, the cost of following Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea I believe, we haven't got all the details of the story, but we know he does not consent to the decision and action of the council. He goes against his peers. He goes against the grain. I love the uh, Chosen. Anyone seen The Chosen? Chosen is this, this uh, series about the life of Jesus and, and the music at the start, you've got all these fish swimming one way. And then as they become Christians, they change color and they go the other way. So everyone else is going this way, and then the Christians going the other way. This has to, this has to happen. And we see here that he does not consent to their decision. Someone's just fallen off their chair with shock of what I've just said. He does not consent to their decision. There is a cost. Matthew thirteen forty five says that the kingdom of God is like a merchant, when a merchant who deals in fine pearls. Just picture this guy, he buys pearls and he sells pearls. That's how he makes his money. And in the course of his life, he comes across this particular pearl, this particular pearl. And he realizes when he sees this pearl, this pearl is worth more than all my pearls. So he gets rid of all his pearls, sells them so he can buy the pearl. And then he realizes he still hasn't got enough. So cashes in his pension pot, he sells his car, sells his house, gets all his wealth, and gets the pearl. Because he sees that the pearl is worth more than everything else. And guys, the gospel, Jesus Christ, is that pearl. He is worth more than everything else. He is worth more than everything else. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Joseph Arimathea stands up for what is right, even when it costs him. We are called by God to seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. And there's a cost to that. There is a cost. Jesus said, actually, I always talk about this guy because I remember his face so well. And I was there preaching to him in India. I've talked about him many times, but his, his face is just, just this there, just this guy. And he said to me, you know, when I, when I give my life to Jesus, this is when I'm like, am I even a Christian when I talk to this guy? When I give my life to Jesus, 
all my family stopped talking to me. And still to that day, don't talk to him. All his friends stopped talking to him. And still to this day, they don't talk to him. And yet he had a joy because he had the pearl. He had the grace, mercy, and peace. And although he was sad to lose all this, he had the greater treasure. And Jesus promises something. He says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, it's the church, the family of the church, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Joseph of Arimathea, I believe, understood. He understood the gospel. He understood its value. And his desires change, and he goes to Pilate and asks for the body of Jesus. His desires have changed. His desires change. When I came to God, my life was a mess. I just wanted to live a normal life and maybe, ha- maybe just, just have a normal life and a good job. That's all I wanted. I didn't have any desire to serve in the church. None whatsoever. I just wanted fixed. I just wanted grace and peace and mercy. And I got grace and peace and mercy. And then God just started to change the desires of my heart. My uncle Harold, Methodist minister, wrote that verse for me on my wedding day card saying, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires start to change. Joseph Arimathea's desires changed. He is interested in the body of Jesus. He sees the body of the Son of God, and he wants to give it an honorable burial. His desires have changed, so he goes to Pilate. And I want to tell you something. The body of Jesus is still here on the earth. Saul is walking towards Damascus. He's walking towards Damascus. He meets the risen Lord Jesus. He's just fresh from persecuting the church, killing people, putting people in jail. And Paul, God says to him, Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? To persecute the church is to hurt Jesus. To hurt the church is to hurt Jesus. To bless the church is to bless Jesus. To serve in the church is to serve Jesus. The body of Jesus is still on the earth. You are the body of Christ and individually members one from another. And if you, if your heart gets changed so you get an interest in the body of Christ, it is very, very inconvenient at times. Very inconvenient, but it's beautiful. It's glorious. Joseph Arimathea has a care for the body of Jesus. He takes it down carefully. He wraps it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. Here we see God is in total charge. 
hundreds and hundreds of years before this event happened, we know that the Messiah will be buried in a rich man's tomb. God's in total charge. The virgin birth is prophesied. Born in Bethlehem, from Nazareth, 30 pieces of silver betrayed for. Gruesome death for the sins of the world. Buried in a rich man's grave. In total charge. Isn't that great? The Sabbath was beginning. Now we're going to have a look at these ladies. The woman who had come with him from Galilee. So we're just going to try and put ourselves in the woman's shoes here. The woman have come with Jesus from Galilee. So this is an 80 mile walk. It's a long way. These women are amazing. These women are brave. You can learn from these ladies. These women follow Jesus 80 miles up and down hills, probably through streams. They follow Jesus into Jerusalem where everyone's cheering and praising him, following him through the highs. It's easy to follow Jesus through the highs. People are prophesying. If they don't praise, the stones are going to cry out. Then they follow Jesus. They see his trial. They see him sentenced to death. They go with him to the cross. Maybe these are the same ladies we looked at last time who were crying, grieving. They see the one they love the most killed. And they keep on going. And they keep on following. And they follow Jesus right up to the tomb. And they see Jesus' body in there. The disciples have all run away. But these women are there. Through the thick, through the thin, through the ups, through the downs. They are there. And they are key witnesses for us. They're key witnesses to Jesus' death and ultimately resurrection. They followed, they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. They must be exhausted. They must be emotionally physically exhausted and they leave that tomb and they go into their homes and they well not their homes their hotels wherever they're staying and they prepare ointments spices at their own cost why because these women love their lord they love their Lord. They love their Lord. They want to put spices and ointments on the body of Jesus. They love their Lord. And one of the ways we show that we love our Lord is in our relationship with his body, the church. We serve the church. We're serving his body. When we bring our offerings, our, our wealth, our spices and our ointments, tithes and our offerings, we're showing love for the Lord. And we don't actually talk about giving that much in, in this church. We don't even pass an offering basket around. 
But I just want to encourage you all to just consider giving into the church, giving into giving into the church. Some of some of you do, and 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 I thank you. You're generous, generous people. And some don't, but could. And I just want to, I guess, ask the question. No one's going to come around and knock on your door about this, but you're, I just want to tell you that when you don't, you're actually, you're missing out. You're just missing out. A couple of things strike me out here. One, these gifts are honored by God and remembered forever. 2,000 years later, there's an Irishman speaking about it. It's remembered forever. And two, just miss out on seeing God's miraculous provision in your lives. And I can say this, myself and Anna, for whatever, we're married now, 17 years, we've, all, we've never not given in to the church, never less than 10%, almost always more. And I don't say that in any way to boast, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's the first time I've probably said this to you just saying we have just seen God is so faithful and every time we've been short remember we got a 10,000 pounds rebate from the government whenever we couldn't pay for our extension just at the right time we got, we got kids to pray around the table he just always looks after us always so I would just say you're missing out there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus you know but you just miss out you just miss out and I don't want you to miss out I want you to see and go on the adventure these women are amazing follow Jesus through thick and thin give their all to him and then we see this on the Sabbath they rested they must be exhausted they really must be exhausted but the Sabbath they rested there's a provision for rest Sabbath was the uh, Friday night to the Saturday night every single week where people got to rest. These women need a rest. Sometimes we need a rest, don't we? Sometimes I'm utterly exhausted and I need a day off. These guys, these ladies need a rest. And so they rest on the Sabbath. They rest on the Sabbath day. Joseph of Arimathea is looking for the kingdom of God. One of the things that you find in the kingdom of God is rest. Hebrews 4 tells us that the Sabbath just like the sacrifices points to Jesus. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. Yes. He is the rest for our souls. Listen to these words from Jesus. Come to me, all you that are weary. Is anyone weary? Anyone weary? A few of us are weary. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Joseph of Arimathea and these ladies find grace, mercy, peace, rest in Jesus Christ. I'm going to bring things into land now. Do we have one more song, Mel? love just to pray for people if they need any prayer 
Joseph of Arimathea was looking for the kingdom of God. He's looking for the kingdom of God. If you've been looking for grace, mercy, and peace for your soul, look no further than Jesus Christ. During the last song, yes, a little bit of music would be nice. During the last song, I want to pray for people. These are the things, when you pay attention, if you're looking for grace, mercy, and peace and rest for your soul, and you haven't found it yet, I want you to